Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to Name Free Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million. And this is a podcast where we discuss feminist issues in music and pop culture, all while empowering fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. Before we get into today's episode, we do have a new Patreon member to shout out. Holly has joined our Patreon all the way from Australia. And this is really fun and exciting because Holly's been listening to our podcast for a while, but we didn't get to know her until we did our celebratory two-year anniversary live stream when Jonna and I were together the other week. And it's so exciting to get to meet listeners because there's so many of you from the beginning who've like always been really chatty with us, but there's also so many new listeners, so many people who like aren't really active on social media, but we genuinely mean it. We love chatting with y'all and it's so much fun to get to know you guys. Yeah, it's so also uh, shout out Holly because often our Instagram lives are only great time periods for the US and like Europe. And Holly was up at like 5 a.m. going to Tasmania on a vacation. So shout out Holly for tuning in when it was hella early. We love chatting with people. So if you guys are listening, and you think we're scary to talk to. We're really not. We love talking to you guys. <laughs> yeah, just go slide in the DMs and chat it up because it's really fun. Or you can also go and join us on Patreon because we do have our Discord, which we all chat on about pop culture and the episodes and just life in general. It's really fun over there. We really get to know each other and just like share life advice as well as like pop culture nonsense. And speaking of pop culture nonsense, we just did a massive Massive episode on Don't Worry Darling. Number one, like Sarah gives us a history all the way from the beginning. And then we get into (laughs) a lot of what was going on at the Venice Film Festival. Obviously, the story is still unfolding. But if you guys are curious on our takes on it or you don't know anything about it and you need like an oral history of it, we got you covered. And all of this is over on patreon.com slash name three songs. Yeah, so it's definitely at least worth joining for a month just to get the don't worry darling content <laughs> um because there's going to be a problem there's going to be like a lot going on because i mean harry's going to tiff for my policeman there's a lot happening in the like harry styles drama world of it all so our did you hear episodes which are supposed to be minisodes but don't worry darling yeah. it took me 22 <laughs> minutes to just unpack everything up to the venice film festival so that was a big a big one for us over on patreon so you get that you get the discord like i said and then we also have the level where we do our monthly music meltdowns which is just us kind of talking about other things happening in pop culture that might be outside the feminist scope of things, stuff that we're thinking about a lot, all that fun kind of pop culture nonsense. And like Jenna said, you can go get all that at patreon.com slash name three songs. But with all that being said, Sarah, what are we getting into today? Today's a very exciting day. I feel like I say that a lot. I feel like I start the conversation with today's very exciting, but it is because we're talking about Beyonce. Like, I don't even need to sugarcoat it. We get to talk about Beyonce today and we get to talk about her in a way that's like very relevant. And I feel like we were always kind of anxious about talking about Beyonce because like you all know, Jenna and I's background is very much in like pop punk, rock, indie kind of music. We grew up listening to pop and then kind of went, but I'm a cool girl. Cool girls don't listen to pop. 
and miss yeah. out on like a big chunk of like pop music history while like we at least I knew about like the pop culture going on around it I wasn't listening to the music and so Beyonce's always been a scary topic because we know her fans are really dedicated we know that she's very important to like the pop culture zeitgeist to black history to like just the black feminism story of it all and she's made very major moves in music and so it's hard to even like understand the lore understand all of this but I feel like the one thing all of us can understand is that Beyonce has done a really incredible job of curating her public image keeping her private life private giving access only to what she wants people to have access to and she's done it in like a very kind way it never feels like she's being patronizing by like not giving access or anything like that and so it's a really interesting discussion on like how she's been able to have such longevity while remaining so private, while remaining so guarded, while being kind of like a shy, famous person. And so it's a really interesting discussion. But of course, when it comes to having discussions about artists that Jenna and I are not very well versed in, we have to call in the experts. So Jenna, would you like to introduce everybody to our guest today? It would be my honor because today we have a lovely human of a guest on and a lovely, lovely journalist. Jaina Jefferson is a journalist and creative who has been featured in USA Today, BBC Culture, Harper's Bazaar, and more providing commentary on music, culture, gender, sexuality, identity, politics, and social justice. She's also served as an on-air music and culture expert for television, radio, and podcast entities such as Access Hollywood, Yahoo's Build Series, NPR Weekend Edition, BBC Radio 4's Front Row, and more where she just discussed everything from reawakening of female rappers in contemporary music to artistic growth of Adele. Jaina is truly a powerhouse of a journalist and such a perfect journalist for today. Her Twitter bio is also music and cultural journalist awaiting on her Beyonce retweet. We're hoping we can get you one step closer to that Beyonce retweet. <laughs> so without further ado, hi Jaina, welcome to Name Three Songs. Thank you guys for having me. I'm very excited to be here this morning. Amazing. We are very, very, very happy and grateful that you're here with us today because you are going to be our resident Beyonce expert for the day. Because if you guys have been listening along with our podcast, you know that Sarah and I are big pop and rock people, and yet Beyonce is kind of a blind spot for us. So we definitely wanted to do her justice because she is Queen Bey. And so today we're talking about Beyonce's power because to me, in my eyes, she has this very like unwavering, very icon, very almost godlike, untouchable presence within our pop culture zeitgeist. And she just turned 41. This is the month of Beyonce. This is September. So we are celebrating her with this episode. But as we did in a recent episode, a lot of pop stars in the past, you know, haven't been allowed to make it to 30 or they've been treated a different way when they hit the age 30. But Beyonce's out here in her 40s still just as famous, just as popular, just as relevant, just as impactful when she drops albums into her 40s now. And so kind of this episode, we want to look at how did she build this power? How has she been able to maintain this power? And what is she doing that like other people really aren't doing? And like what differentiates her in all of this? So as a nice kickoff question for everyone, Jaina, what do you think really sets Beyonce apart from the rest? And what are some of these contributing factors that really make her this powerhouse? I think what makes Beyonce stand out from the rest is that she possesses a level of excellence as an entertainer that's basically like akin to the stars that our parents showed us like yeah. growing up. Like she is this, gen- I'm not saying any comparisons, but this level of excellence. It is Michael level. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. Janet level. These are the stars that it's like, wow, 
you just look at them and you're like, this is amazing to be witnessing this right now. Yeah. And I think she's also gone from just being an entertainer, being a performer to now really taking hold of her power as a full-blown artist. And she has a mastery of her craft. She's coming out and producing full bodies of work that are just beautifully put together, very intentionally driven. And her ability to consistently just keep outdoing herself in terms of these abilities as a musician, as an entertainer, as a performer, those are basically all of the reasons why she's really the queen bee that we're seeing in front of us today. In doing research for this episode and like building up, discussing it with you and all that stuff, I kept thinking about that SNL sketch from when Lemonade came out where it was an office of white people being like, is Beyonce not ours? And I feel like that was like a very impactful like cultural moment and like the pop culture zeitgeist of it all of white people realizing like oh sometimes music is something you have to like understand in like a different headspace and I just think it's really interesting because a conversation we've had before is that there's always been like white pop stars throughout time Mm -hmm. and then there's like Janet Jackson and then Beyonce and like sort of Rihanna and like these artists who have been like allowed to transcend genres when like genre right now is like not even really a thing anymore but so many artists like brandy like was so successful had her own tv show so many things that she was doing and yet she wasn't even allowed to be called like a pop star in the same way britney spears was exactly exactly and so it's it's really interesting how like beyonce did all of the quintessential like white girly pop star things and then once she stopped because she was old enough to like have found her voice and like found fame and be like i can make music for myself and my people now <laughs> like snl mm-hmm. like did a commentary on it and i feel like they thought it was like a really woke commentary but i feel like it was really toned up <laughs> like especially looking back on it where it's like okay you, everything doesn't need to be for you and so it's interesting that thing where like when beyonce is so powerful and is such like a moment in the pop culture zeitgeist such like a name where it's like you say Beyonce you know who you're talking about like you don't need any other qualifiers and then people are like oh what do you mean everything's not palatable for me specifically and it's just like a really interesting thing where it's like she got so powerful that she was like I don't need to cater to y'all anymore and they were yeah, like no more catering we don't to like you it. <laughs> yeah I mean like even when she did the Super Bowl and was trying to make a statement about Black Lives Matter and everyone mm-hmm. was just who didn't understand what and the fact that people still don't understand what Black Lives Matter like truly means but yeah when she was trying to make a commentary about it and they're like she hates the cops she does this and I'm like uh that was completely not the point I don't understand where you're getting that from but it's like if you are committed to not understanding the message as to why performers who are part of a demographic part of a a culture are trying Mm -hmm. to make points of then you're just never going to understand like you're committed to misunderstanding (laughs) and that's a you problem honestly yeah well I mean also I mean just kind of going off that not to get on a whole other tangent but I feel like in saying that the opposite is so many white pop stars haven't had to make social commentary Mm -hmm. so when you have someone who is making social commentary it's the shut up and sing thing it's like well that's not your place yep 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 absolutely that I was thinking about that actually when I was thinking about like my responses to this conversation and these questions when she basically was like to LeBron James like just shut up and dribble like you're supposed to just do things that we as you know white people just want to see black people do like we want to see you sing we want to see you dance we don't want to see you talk about being black because then it makes us uncomfortable we just want to be comfortable (laughs) with the parts about you that are spectacle 
It's like, oh, look at that black person run. Look at that black person dance and sing. But when a black person says something about, you know, being uncomfortable with the way that we're treated in the eyes of society, it's like, oh, I don't want to hear about that. It's like, pick one. Yeah. And then really think about why you just want to watch us sing and just want to watch us dribble a basketball. Like, really just sit and think about that. So looking at Beyonce's career in this way, because it was almost as if there's like this turning point where she's not afraid to put how she feels and what she means into her music. And I feel like these overlap. I feel like this point where she starts to shift with the messages that she's putting in her music and in her performances also overlaps with this point in her career where she kind of becomes untouchable. And Jana, maybe you can help us like pinpoint this, but it's so bizarre because like looking back on it, it feels like she must have always just been this way, but there must have been some point where like there was like this big shift in how she's now presenting herself. Personally, I think everything changed for her when she finally her father as her manager Mm -hmm. right before the release of four in 2011 so from the time she was a young performer from girls time then to just destiny's child matthew knowles has been meticulous in crafting the hard-working uber focused artist that we see in front of us and i think that having someone with that level of control over every single thing that you're doing it's hard Especially Mm -hmm. as someone who I feel like she wanted to be able to voice how she was feeling about certain situations and certain things. And the direction of her career as a whole, she was doing a lot of pop, like Crazy in Love. Everyone knows that song. Deja Vu, you've probably heard it. Single Ladies, you've heard it. Halo, you've heard it. And it's like having that level of notoriety, even as someone who, like admittedly, Beyonce is very shy. So it's like... To be that front-facing pop individual coming out with all of these things and trying to be seen in every single way might have not been something she actually wanted to be doing. Mm -hmm. But her dad was like, but you're a pop star, so you have to do this and you have to be seen here and you have to do these interviews. And it's like, I don't want to do that. So it's like taking control of her own voice, her own power and the direction of her career by firing this man and no longer being forced to produce the music that was pop-driven, intended Mm -hmm. to sell for radio really only allowed Beyonce to lean into that artistry and really release the kind of material and the music that she wanted to make. And this also did come with starting to take a step back from the limelight as a whole. Like I said, she's really shy. And now that she doesn't have anyone managing her and telling her to do all of these things, she probably didn't want to do it in the first place, but it allows her to just focus on the work and focus on the music and doing what she feels is best for her career as a whole. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk a lot on this podcast about, like, the glass box that pop stars have been put into and are expected to stay in by heads of industry. And so it's really sad to, like, hear about the fact that her dad placed her in that box and was like, the only way you're going to be able to compete and be successful is if you do all of these specific things, even though you have, like, Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson before her who, like, escaped that box in their own ways and were still very successful very important to pop music and like the history of music etc and so it is just interesting about how she was essentially like made to be this triple threat maybe when she didn't want to be like my first real memory of beyonce is watching austin powers on an airplane when i was like oh wow oh so it's that interesting and weird thing where it's like for maybe a month of my life, I was like, Beyonce, the actress. 
Mm. Oh my goodness. Um, but it's like, but now in doing this research and like looking back, it's so interesting where it feels like her dad had a checklist of like what you're supposed to do to be relevant and acknowledged and be celebrated. And it's like, okay, you have to like be in movies. You have to walk red carpets. You have to sing like really crazy pop songs. You have to do all these things. Your music can't be like too specific to any one person's story. Like it has to be very generalized. Mm-hmm. and all of this and so it is interesting and I feel like it makes a lot of sense why Beyonce really became like the poster child for separating herself as like a public person from herself as a private person because she was like I've lived my whole life under a microscope every single thing I've ever done has been planned out for me decided by somebody else I'm going to now control the narrative 100% no matter what it takes especially since like four came out in 2011 she was 30 she just turned 30 so it's like there are things as you get older like we're all in our mid to late 20s now so it's like you look back at you know the way that you've changed throughout your 20s and recognizing like yes I do have a voice and trying to figure out through the years like how you want to use that voice and I Mm -hmm. think 30 being such a pivotal age and being like I think what would really help is to let my dad know that I am in charge of myself. Yeah. I'm 30 now. Like, you back up, dad. Like, it's, I'm sorry. Like, you've been doing this since the beginning. The work ethic and the way that he taught her discipline and hard work, like, it's amazing. And it really clearly did work because look at her now. But there comes a point when you get to a certain age where you're just like, I think my joy and my peace are far more important than doing things that people want me to do. Like, what do I want to do? And I think that was something that really did come with age and that whole four, that time period was so pivotal for her and that era was so pivotal for her and I think was the catalyst for everything that was to come. Yeah, definitely. It's so interesting to like think about from like that perspective and like now knowing this because like Jenna said, I've always known how important Beyonce is, but there was so much background, so much history that's like, how do you even learn all this? And then it's like learning it and realizing how obvious it was kind of of how much pressure she was under and like all that kind of stuff is just so crazy and everything makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, she is so special, but I feel like now thinking about how she is so private, knowing what we know about the little parts of her personal life that she has shown us it really Mm -hmm. does all start to make sense you were just talking about her like firing her dad being 30 and i didn't like put that together in my head i was like oh she was like 24 you know like to me she's kind of just like ageless in general because she's just had so much power for so long that i have no idea what age she is but it's it is crazy thinking about that because and it's so clear and like a lot of when she does do interviews and when she does say things it is so clear about her work ethic like how hard she works all the time like is probably someone who can't not work at this point and there was a quote of her saying like if there's something upsetting me, I only take like one day to be upset. And then like, I learn how to Mm -hmm. motivate that to me to like put it into my work. And I'm like, that is insane. I'm like that, that type of work mentality is something that I feel like you have to learn when you're really young and it's just like instilled in you. Yes. Oh my goodness. So I was thinking deeply about like, why have I loved Beyonce my whole life? (laughs) So (laughs) I started really young. I got the writings on the wall CD when I was like seven. And that was the album that had Say My Name, Jump and Jump In, mm-hmm. everything. And I was like, 
obviously drawn to her because I'm like, look at her. She just commands the attention. And now looking back, I'm like, oh, it's because like Matthew was in charge and making sure his daughter was front and center the entire time. So we had no (laughs) choice but to be like, yeah, she's like the star. But also I relate to her very deeply because like she grew up and she was doing pageants and competing and she was basically pushed to be the best she could be. So I grew up as a competitive gymnast so my relationship to perfectionism yeah. mm-hmm. is also very similar to the way that she likely goes through her life. And I'm like, yeah. I feel like I kind of understood that. I was thinking about it very deeply yesterday. And I'm like, I think I love Beyonce because we are so similar when it comes to our work ethic. And I just feel like for an artist who like is so private, the fact that there's still the ability to relate to her is Mm -hmm. really incredible because they feel like there are certain artists where like they're so secretive even though they try and like tell you things about them or whatever the case is it's like you don't know enough to even be able to be like oh i relate because then once you get like a tidbit of information about them like you're like oh we have literally nothing in common why did i think we were similar Mm -hmm. and it's because of like the idea you've built up of them in your head whereas beyonce it's like clear kind of like where she came from so there is that relatability still compared Mm -hmm. to like other people if that makes sense oh yeah it does and i think being able to see the early glimpses of beyonce like in destiny's child when she was like oh my god that southern accent was like it she just reminded me of my cousins because I have family in the South. So I'm just like, yeah, this is this is my family. And just being able to see, like, she used to, she was goofy and she's fun and this and that. So, like, now seeing where she allows us to see, it's really just, like, flashbacks to what we were able to actually, you know, be invited into experiencing of her. And I, I was also thinking about, like, when did the privacy come into play? I still feel like I'm thinking about that deeply but I think when it comes to having that level of visibility as a musician and just her being hyper aware of her abilities her everything just as a black woman it's like people start to assume a lot about you and her just being very controlling of her own image striving for that perfection Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what closed her off like what forced her to close herself off to people yeah I mean, just coming from, like, an outside perspective and, like, somebody who's worked in entertainment media, I feel like she was slowly moving towards being more private and trying to figure out how to do that. But I Mm -hmm. think that the, like, Met Gala elevator thing was the nail in the coffin. Oh, yeah. That kind of made it so she was, like, too many people are in my business Mm -hmm. that don't deserve to be in my business and are making, like, something way bigger of a deal, way more of a problem than, like, Mm -hmm. it should have been. Because, obviously, it's, like, infidelity is a problem, but it's, like, you can handle that however you see fit. That's your own business. And, like, the world made it their business. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't have been in any way, shape, or form. So I feel like that was really, like, in my mind, is, like, there was, like, a line drawn in the sand from that point where she was, like, okay, no, everything is going through me. I'm going to figure out however possible to control this narrative. And I think also that comes from, like, her upbringing of just having that work ethic to be, like, how can I continue to be successful and be the Beyonce that we've created, whatever the case is, Mm -hmm. while also controlling the whole narrative and like not letting anybody in unless I want them to come in. That's just like my perspective from like an outsider's point of view. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I feel like the elevator situation was like the cherry on top of the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Cause I feel like she was almost there. Like 
Oh, man. I think there were three strikes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The first strike, I think, was when people started to say she sounded like she was uneducated. Yeah. Mm. I think it was 2012. Wendy Williams basically was like, oh, I love her music, but she sounds like she has a fifth grade education when she speaks. And it's like, as someone who's like, she's not controlling in a negative sense, but controlling of her image. So when people point out something about you that you're like, this is not a problem. This is who I am. I think that that's when it started to like be a problem. So like having been talked about, about the way she speaks now, that's something that we're like, oh yeah, remember like Beyonce is really Southern. And I think the last time she spoke in public even after this whole mess. The last time she spoke to us in public was when she won the Grammy, was when she was pregnant with the twins. Mm -hmm. And she wrote out what she was going to say on paper because she doesn't like going off the cuff because it's like a lot of pressure and she's really shy. And also like the assumptions, it's like her just firing off the dome. I think she's now so self-conscious about people thinking that she's uneducated or not smart or her accent is too thick. Like she's just like, let me just control this again, write this down and be like, this is what you're going to get from me. Mm -hmm. Just very curated, very controlled. So there's no room for error. Also very Virgo. Oh yes. Very Virgo. (laughs) That was strike one. Strike two. I think this was honestly the straw that broke the camel's back, but then the Met Gala was like the other level. When people started making comments about if she was ever pregnant. Mm. Yeah. That's so detrimental for any woman to hear, especially having been open through song about having a miscarriage and having complications about getting pregnant. So it's like, if I was in that position, I'd be like, well, you are never hearing from me again. (laughs) Because if you're going to go this far to say that I would be so selfish because I'm guarded as it is, so people are going to have assumptions about me because I'm quiet. You guys would go so far as to say, I'm so selfish that I didn't have my child and I faked being pregnant. Like, that's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was honestly the straw that broke the camel's back. And then the elevator fight, we still don't know what happened with that. I think her way of being able to talk about that was through Lemonade. It's like, if there was indeed a fight, like, let me get on this in the way I actually want to get on this and get ahead of this before you Mm -hmm. guys assume any further. Like, I'm over you guys just making assumptions about me. So let me just make some music. You made great points because it seems like after that point is when she starts, and I mean, I guess before too, but like she uses song And also what she chooses to put on the internet as the way that she disseminates information to the general public. Like, not Mm -hmm. even just to fans, like to the general public. And we have a really great article in The Atlantic by Nolan Feeney in 2013 called How Beyonce Keeps the Internet Obsessed with Her. And just as a prime example here, they say Beyonce does not just write a handwritten letter to Michelle Obama expressing her admiration. She makes a whole video about it, so you know that she wrote it too. And then they go on to write, these powers come in handy when Beyonce needs to perform damage control. After rumors of a second pregnancy took off this past spring, she fired back with Tumblr pictures of her and husband Jay-Z kicking back with a bottle of wine. The post was notable for two reasons. First, it's the perfect example of just how much thought and effort Beyonce puts into broadcasting her desired message while still trying to seem casual and candid. And second, by publishing it to her own account, the message gained immediate authority. It's straight from the source, end of story. And so to your point, this is how she controls her narrative. Like she tells the truth in like what she chooses to post on the internet by showing, not by telling, and then also what she chooses to put in her songs. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So much of it is calculated, even if it's posturing as authenticity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I vividly remember, like, Beyonce.com launching. I number one thing, it was hilarious that it was a Tumblr account. So I was like, this is iconic and amazing that that's, like, what she's using to host her website. But also just, like, how she would just, like, randomly drop, like, family photos or, like, these things where she's just like, oh, we went on vacation. And it's, like, this window into her life where she's like, the paparazzi can't do this. I'm going to do it. They're going to be Mm -hmm. curated by me. My team's going to take them. Like, we're going to be in control of all of this. And I feel like that's just such a power move. There have been artists who've, like, tried to copy things like this. Like, recently, J-Lo just comes to mind with her fucking new (sighs) newsletter. But, like, it's not curated in the same way that Beyonce's is. Like, Beyonce's always feels like there's a point and a reason behind it. And it never feels, like, braggy or, like, obnoxious or, like, oh, write an article about me. It just feels Mm -hmm. like she's trying in her introverted way to, like, share with the world and kind of be, like, you guys have given me all this fame. Here's something back. Here's a picture of me. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, like, that's the best we're going to get, honestly, because she is... Oh, so fiercely private. (sighs) Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. I have an interesting relationship to Beyonce.com. Like, I I love (laughs) the pictures. I really do. Because it's like, this is as intimate as we can get with her. But it's still like, it's still so calculated. And it just doesn't feel as organic as I would want it to feel or as it used to feel. Like, oh my God, when Beyonce first came on Instagram... Her page, like, it was unhinged. She was at Batty B. Like, it wasn't even Beyonce. It was Batty B. And she would just, like, post pictures of her. Like, they were so blurry. You could tell that they were (laughs) out on the town. I'm like, oh, God, I miss the Batty B days. Yeah. Like, for me, it's like, yeah, I see that you went out, girl. Like, I'm glad you had fun at Lucali Pizza that you love so much. But it's like, I want to see you scarfing that pizza. (laughs) I don't want you to see you vamping at the pizza place. I just want it to feel a little bit more human. At times, it feels like it's not human. Do you think that, like, this way that she does this was something that was maybe instilled in her by her dad in him trying to keep her in that pop star glass box? Or do you think that this is something that she's doing in spite of that? I don't know if it's in spite, but I think that this is just the way that I think she wants to present herself because it's like it still looks perfect yeah it's kind it's kind of a coping mechanism oh absolutely i think it's like look things are okay everything's good my husband and i are so happy like da 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 and it's like it's still so posed and 
it's calculated. A lot of it is just so calculated yeah. because this is the way that she wants to present. It's like, no flaws. I'm flawless. I'm perfect. And it's like, yes. And as someone who identifies and understands the perfection complex, I get it. I totally get yeah. it. But it's like, for me, what changes when people are talking about like, oh, yeah, we love Beyonce or eh, we love Rihanna. Everyone says it's because Rihanna feels real. I've said actually a couple times and I feel terrible as like president of the Beyonce coalition that I like, <laughs> I'm saying these things, but I'm also a human. I'll get a drink with Jay-Z. I don't think I would get a drink with Beyonce because Jay-Z just feels real at times. He's capitalist and I don't want to talk to him, but like I would get a drink with him at a bar. Well, okay. So my question is then, especially because like Jay-Z also and them together, kind of pretty much a power couple, like pretty much mm-hmm. a dynasty at this point, especially like the Carter's album and them doing like their music video in the Louvre, like very much power couple showing exactly what they've achieved. My question is, is like you saying like there's this difference in their personalities. It's like, does Beyonce in the way that she chooses what to show and what not to show does this add to her overall iconic feeling of her being untouchable and like like i guess like what ways does it add and subtract because it's like jay-z also similarly essentially status wise they're very much the same but Mm -hmm. i guess like how does this feel different as like a fan and a journalist i think who that's a good question i mean if we're thinking about ape shit right like that whole video Honestly, the whole album, Everything is Love, is just like visual, audible braggadocio. Mm-hmm. It's like we're in the Louvre where, I don't know if you've ever been to France, but we're not welcome there sometimes. Yeah. So it's like, you guys don't want us in France. You guys don't want us at the Louvre, especially. There's yeah. literally one picture of a black person at the Louvre, yeah. which is what they put at the end of the Ape Shit video. So it's like, honestly, like a visual fuck you. To yeah. look at the apeshit video and being like, look, they're dancing in front of Napoleon's, you know, portrait. Yeah. And it's significant because Napoleon reinstated slavery. And it's like, oh, we're in front of the Mona Lisa. Like, we're not supposed to be, like, we're not supposed to be here. We're yeah. not supposed to be looking at these beautiful works of art. And then kind of flipping it and being like, we are the works of art in yeah. our aesthetic. We're regal. We're dancing. Someone's getting their hair parted and braided. The girls are just making themselves just visual art. It's like, it's really just like an F you and looking at the black bravado and being mm-hmm. like, we are creating so much of this. So the fact that you're trying to keep us out is like, huh, okay, yeah. watch. We're going to rent this place out and dance and sing and rap and do whatever it is that you think that we are just like, whatever we're doing is contributing to the downfall of society, but we're going to do it right here in the Louvre because we can. I love everything about ape shit. Every time I'm like just watching YouTube videos and ape shit comes up, I'm like, well, I guess I have to sit and watch the six minutes. (laughs) It's so good. And the album itself dropped like right before Juneteenth, which is like, uh, everything was, like I said, calculated, but this was, this was, it felt good. So much of the lyricism and the themes on that album and just the imagery of the music videos like were meant to take the stereotypes of the community and flip them to the yeah. fit the idea of like the black bourgeois. Like there's a line in Black Effect that's like an N word's late, but he's best dressed, slowed down by the weight of my necklace. And it's like, huh? mm. <laughs> it's so mm, funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, also like 
in creating the album in creating that music video it's also the whole thing of like so much art and so much music was stolen from black people by white people and then claimed as like oh white people created this and it's like fuck off no you didn't Mm -hmm. and like that's the whole thing of like art history and music history especially music history like so much was stolen from black people and from their culture and from their background and like from new cultures that they created by being forced to be slaves in america and all that stuff and it's like yeah more power to you going to like an establishment that's very anti-black and like Mm -hmm. dancing and doing your things where it's like when white people do it it's celebrated when black people do it it's like why what are you doing that's no don't do that it's like but you literally took it from us claimed it as yours and then it's okay and so i think it's so incredible in everything that beyonce and then beyonce and jay-z as a couple have done in regards to like culture and movement and like reclamation and all that sort of stuff it's so incredible because of the box that just the american media industry tries to keep anybody who's not white in, and mm-hmm. where they're like you have to like we were talking about earlier it's like oh just shut up and sing shut up and dribble it's like you have to stay in these roles that we've dedicated out to you and it's like no that's bullshit shut up mm-hmm. and that's what i really do appreciate about beyonce it's like with the platform that she has she's been able to draw attention to these things like obviously she's not the only musician who's drawing attention to like yeah. colonization and now with renaissance like pointing out the fact that like dance music started in the underground black brown queer and trans scenes like in the clubs so like i do appreciate her for that but what i don't oh man i always i feel like a traitor but i'm like i'm just being real Mm -hmm. it's hard to be a journalist and a stan yeah but a lot of points have to be made like for example girl when you are so calculated and you're like it's a business like beyonce is a business she's a brand she's putting out music that is going to cater to a group of people because that's her fan base she's gonna make music about black women she's gonna make music about black black people she's gonna make music about the gays because she is oh my god all the gays in her pocket but it's like also if you're gonna make an album about the power of africa you shouldn't be bullied into talking about the sars movement Mm. and you shouldn't be reprimanded for having a whole album about africa and then putting on the tiffany yellow diamond as though that's not a blood diamond Like, it's like, you are so calculated, but you are still missing such critical things as a means to be like, look at me, look at me. I'm like, girls, like, please, come on now. And I feel like you have to kind of open yourself up to that criticism. And I know it's something that she doesn't like, but it's like, you also have to be a little bit more conscientious about if you're going to try to make something that's representative of an entire culture, an entire diasporic group. You have to also be conscientious about the things that you are taking on that don't involve the diaspora. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, cool. You wanted to be in this Tiffany's campaign, show off your love with Jay-Z or whatever you guys are calling it these days. Don't wear the Tiffany yellow diamond. Like it's just, that is such a symbol of colonialism that it's like dating back centuries and you still like come on and it's like i think i read something she's like her publicist said like she had no idea i'm like yeah that means you got to do some more research like you're so hyper focused on what people think of you be hyper focused about the situations and the brands and the things that you're aligning yourself with 
Yeah. yeah. This kind of brings up a couple of thoughts for me. One being, so she got some criticism when she did the VMAs performance with like the feminist brand behind her, which is honestly just like that image is seared into my brain. And she also like put a definition of feminism up as well as just like the word. And I think it was her kind of like putting a stake in the ground saying like, hey, no, I care about these things. Like, this is what I stand for. And like, mm-hmm. honestly, just bringing attention to it in general, because 2014 and like a little bit earlier, the crossover between feminism and pop culture was so weird that like pop stars were like, no, I'm not a feminist because... Yeah. I don't hate men. Like, it's like, yes. and then Beyonce's like, actually, that's not what that means. But it's interesting because it's like, like we were talking about before, like her having to conform to these, like, essentially white standards of like what a pop star is and what a pop star does and how you behave in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like by conforming, she was able to reach this level. And now that she's at this level, she's allowed to talk about the black feminist story. She's allowed to tell black female narratives that have mm-hmm. not been told at that level. So it's like in one regard, she's telling stories and giving representation where representation has not been given. Mm-hmm. But then there's things like what you're saying now of like, it's the double-edged sword because she's also doing things that aren't falling in line with this narrative that she's presenting. Exactly. And it's like with the feminist performance, especially just like that whole self uh, self-titled was uh god, I obviously it dropped in the middle of the night. Yeah. And it was just what a moment that was. And mm-hmm. just everything that I feel like self-titled might have been like the last true glimpse into Beyonce's life. Like, yes, mm-hmm. lemonade with the cheating scandal and her addressing it, but mostly just talking about black women's healing and why it's important for us to like stick together and heal. But I feel like self-titled itself like her talking about her miscarriage and singing about like Mm -hmm. why she likes sex and it's okay to like sex as a woman and still love a man and still be a feminist like I think that was so important of her and especially opening up conversations about black maternal health like I think that year was also the year that Serena Williams talked about how she was not being heard by doctors when she was giving birth to Olympia and once again, like once like opening up more conversations about black maternal health, like it's so important to have these conversations, especially as a black woman, because these are things that like, I mean, if I'm uh, afforded the opportunity to ha- give birth, it's something that I have to potentially deal with. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm glad that people who are like Beyonce are using their platform to talk about the stuff that really does matter to me as a black woman. Mm-hmm. It's just so important to be have people who have those voices and are able to like shed light on things because it also helps educate people who wouldn't even think to like go be educated on that stuff because I mean there's so many issues especially since like feminism has become a big thing about like white women really focusing in themselves and like white feminists things and not intersectional feminism and it's Mm -hmm. like when you have these huge pop stars and these huge people in culture acknowledging like hey this is how like your fellow women are struggling maybe acknowledge this too and then choosing to continue not to is so unhinged and so ridiculous and so frustrating to like Mm -hmm. watch happen in the media and just like in the world where it's like Beyonce is such the moment such like a cultural thing such like a part of the conversation that it's like how can you not listen to what she's saying what songs are being put out and then go and educate yourself like it just doesn't make any sense to me Mm -hmm. because it's so easy to like understand a message because unlike some other people it's like her messages in her music are very clear as to like what she's sharing when she Mm -hmm. is sharing when it's such like a heavy subject i would think people would want to know more about it or whatever the case is but people like to focus more on drama and nonsense 
than like serious conversations mm-hmm. and serious topics. And I mean, I feel like in a way, the general public response to like her sharing that much information in an album could have also pushed her towards making her albums more generalized in the discussion Mm -hmm. topics and like her more private and all that because she's like I'm trying to share the black female story because I've been given the opportunity to have a massive platform and massive access to the international public and you guys Mm -hmm. are like let's not think about that did she actually have a baby and it's like what the fuck why should I give you any access to me if you're gonna be like that that's a really good point. And I think that, yeah, that's a really good point. It's like, yeah, I showed you, I showed you so much. I, I said what I had to say about myself, but clearly you guys wanted to focus on the salaciousness. Like, who's Becky? And it's like, mm, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to just make a, an album for the gays and have that be it. Like, I'm tired. Because, like, yeah. clearly I'm telling you guys something very deep and important about my experience, the Black experience, this and that. But you're just focusing on, like, these little crystals of you know things that really don't matter in hindsight i hate to say this but it's almost like she's come full circle to like put a ring on it and like Mm -hmm. all all the like love bangers that she has that are so generalized it's almost like she's come full circle i think that renaissance is the long-awaited follow-up to b-day because b-day to me is quintessential beyonce so now we have like something fun again and it's something that everyone just like wants to keep listening to because it like not only feel makes you feel empowered to be yourself against all odds, but it just like, uh, it's just like this is the kind of music that it's like, don't get me wrong. I do love, I didn't love Lemonade when it first came out because I'm just like, I just want Beyonce to be fun again. But this is a renaissance. Not only is it excellently crafted, but it's fun. And I'm like, this is the Beyonce that we miss having. I was listening to, I'm pretty sure it was Popcast, another podcast, and they had a bunch of journalists on to talk about Renaissance. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about the song, America Has a Problem. And they're like, oh boy, this is it. Like, she's going to call everyone out. Like, this is going to change everything. And then it was kind of just like a, let's forget about our problems and have fun. Yeah, that's basically that song. <laughs> but it is interesting. I mean, also just in the context of like, where the world is today, it's like, we almost need that escapism in our lives because mm-hmm. everything is so awful that nobody wants to really deal with reality. So, And it's definitely not the first time in pop history, like contemporary pop artists, especially female contemporary pop artists, have used, you know, bad times to come out with dance records. Like yeah. right after the AIDS crisis, we got Madonna's Vogue. God, Rhythm Nation was crafted in response to all the bad shit that was going on Janet was like, I see racism and I don't like it. So how about we come together and dance and (laughs) change the landscape of pop music as we know it. So it's like, this is not something new, but it is given the landscape of where we are right now at this, oh God, hellfire of a world. We needed something like Renaissance to just make us feel like, uh, at least for one hour, just like we're okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to like roll it back a little bit to this elevator situation incidents <sighs> because we also do have an article in vibe by Aaliyah s king in 2014 when this all went down entitled billion dollars in an elevator beyonce's calculated authenticity and of course the line that beyonce puts in this song flawless is of course sometimes shit goes down when there's a billion dollars in an elevator and essentially Aaliyah is writing to make this point that is this song a moment because of the art or because of the news and because of the gossip mm. um and Aaliyah writes uh there's a bit of 
a risk with Beyonce's new protocol, the drama and the pageantry is beginning to overshadow the actual music. There are literally millions of Google hits when you do a search for the Fallis remix, but not many say anything about the actual song. Is it art or just news? And so kind of going back to this line that Beyonce walks, both with telling her story and owning her narrative, but also with the way that she creates music. Because... Is this also a learning point for her? Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm just curious your opinions, I guess, because it's like, does it matter? Because people are talking about it no matter what, but also did the cultural conversation around what she's saying in her music make her step back from, as Sarah was saying, being so personal? That's a good question, too. I mean, yeah, in a way, because the deluxe edition of self-titled with the Flawless remix came out after the whole elevator mess and before Lemonade. So Lemonade was like the, okay, here's what happened, but not really here's what happened. Yeah. But let's focus it on Black women as a whole, because I don't want all the attention about this particular instance on me again. But I think with this particular line, it's like, we know Beyonce's team is like very good at marketing. They're really good at promo. But they're also like, she didn't have to drop a press release for the elevator thing. She's just like, let me just add a little like look sprinkle it in yeah and then you guys can do the rest of the work because this is all I'm going to say about it it's like you're never gonna know I'm gonna just let you know like you know when we're all damn near billionaires something might happen and then like just leaving it up to facetiousness is like oh okay that's what she'll say about it and she's never spoken about it again I love this idea of utilizing your music and being able to do remixes and re-releases or whatever the case is as a way to like get ahead of the narrative or say something without it feeling like oh Beyonce made her representative like call People Magazine and give a statement instead it's like oh no Beyonce got Nicki Minaj on the line and did Mm -hmm. a remix of a song to give a statement and so then it's like it's coming straight from her mouth but it's also like is it coming straight from yeah. her like is this what we think it is like could exactly. it just be a coincidence like what's going on here so there is kind of that secrecy but also that not secrecy but also just like her being so in control of everything in like a very like my life is also my business kind of thing yeah and not in like a oh it's like my personal business but it's like no my life is like Beyonce is a brand at all mm-hmm. times, anytime mm-hmm. yeah. it gets it, it written about or whatever the case is. So it's like, okay, I need to like go back into like the Beyonce organization and like make sure that yes. like every, all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it goes right back to just controlling every single aspect about what people think, what people see, everything. Man, this is a story about control. (laughs) Talk about (laughs) Janet and everything. But this is like, this is a story about control for real. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So thinking of Taylor Swift, because I feel like Taylor Swift is trying to do what Beyonce has done. Taylor has very much stepped away from the limelight unless she's promoting an album. And Taylor loves to talk about her drama in songs, mostly crushes and boyfriends and that type of drama in her songs. But there's so much lore around Taylor. And I'm trying to figure out if it's just because Taylor so recently has done this like trying to step away thing that Mm -hmm. fans still know so much about her, whereas Beyonce, it's been 10 years where she's been primarily out of the spotlight. But also I feel like Taylor gives just a little bit too much. Whereas like Beyonce says like one sentence and is done and like leaves Mm -hmm. it vague and that's it. Whereas like Taylor continues to drop breadcrumbs and like continues to give people just enough so that they still talk about it. And so I feel like in that way, (laughs) Taylor's doing this, trying to do something but not. Yeah, I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but it's like, I have recognized that she's gotten a little quiet. So like, since I don't 
pay attention to her purposefully. I don't really notice when she gets quiet, but Mm -hmm. as someone who works in media, like I know she's dropping an album because it was everywhere. So it's like when Taylor Swift says something, I'm going to know about it because... But in this era, I mean, Beyonce... For her, it's like, even if she keeps quiet, the excitement of when she does step out of the shadows is so heavily publicized. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, like you said, like, she'll come out and be like, the groundhog saw her shadow. And then like, that's it. But Mm -hmm. Taylor's just like, oh, you're talking about me now? I'm going to just keep talking. So I will be talked about because I'm talking. And it's like, Beyonce doesn't have to talk and people talk about her. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the interesting thing is, is it's like, it feels like Taylor was like, oh, let me take a page out of the Beyonce playbook. But then was also like, oh, it's too quiet on the Western front. I gotta <laughs> like give some clues and get people talking so that they mm-hmm. know an album's coming out. So the interesting thing also in that, like, it feels very much, at least from like Jenna and my perspective as like people who like to read pop culture, pay attention to these music people, whatever. And I feel like a lot of people like have this viewpoint of like Taylor is kind of trying to copy Beyonce and just like the bigger than herself kind of like mm-hmm. zeitgeist kind of thing and all of that. And like if Beyonce can be private and be successful, I can be private and be successful, whatever. Like t- I think that Taylor's like spoken about being a Beyonce fan. So it makes sense. But the big difference here and the thing that really keeps me from really getting in like the Taylor Swift camp is that Beyonce is always kind of like an activist first. Like the Mm. things that she cares Mm. about are important and she will speak about them if necessary. She's always doing the most she can to like show like I am like a feminist. I'm a proud black Mm -hmm. woman. I'm an activist for like black people, all this. Taylor Swift tries to convince us that she cares about women. She cares about all these things. Meanwhile, it's like, oh, it's not an album cycle. Therefore, I cannot talk about the fact that Roe v. Wade just got overturned. Oh, Oh, my God. Like, oh, like the media hates me. I've been to everywhere. I can't speak out for Hillary Clinton. Like, I can't tell anybody I'm not a Republican that I'm not the face of like the evangelicals of america (laughs) it's like dude you're literally the poster person for like the american like nazis like they used you as like the white i don't know the the, like the white ideal and it's like and you've never spoken out about it so it's like you can't try and act like you're following in the footsteps of beyonce who's an activist and does goes above and beyond for the causes she cares about and not do it yourself it's it's unhinged it's ridiculous especially as a white woman it's even um, more unhinged <laughs> I was just gonna say that because I just I remember she didn't say any like I mean obviously you don't have to say who you're voting for it's like it's your right to privacy as a human to just be like I voted just you can say you voted and that's fine but for someone to have the platform that Taylor Swift has knowing how important the 2016 election was and would be for the future of this country. I mean, look at where we are now. Yeah. It would have been imperative for her to have said something. Yeah. So then after everyone was just like, blah, 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 and like talking about her and how she doesn't speak out, then she, I think, was just doing so much damage control. Now she's doing too much and putting it into her music where it's like, it's clearly pandering. It's not authentic. Yeah. Because you're not talking yeah. about it otherwise. So I'm like, what? <laughs> well, she's centering white feminism. That's the issue. It is all she does. It is just like, know. that's why and I it's just... it's not even feminism. Ugh. But like, when I she's like, it's not even feminism. Like, she's she's like, just like, like... Yeah, anytime she tries to be a feminist, it's very white-centric. And it's like it's, very oh exhausting. My well, I mean, this is kind of my point earlier of like, white pop girlies don't have to talk about politics if they don't want to. Like, mm-hmm. period. And 
She's kind of the prime example of it. She's so cringe. I guess I'll wrap up I'll wrap up our Taylor bit by saying, in conclusion, Taylor is attempting to do what Beyonce has done, but is nowhere really near close to actually achieving. Yeah, because you have to have an opinion about things. <sighs> yeah, well, that's, like, that's the other <laughs> thing is it's like, I feel like so often in the comparison of specifically white famous singers or like people in the public eye who have done similar things to Beyonce in that like they kind of disappear and are like oh like my life is super private whatever the case is like they'll get compared to Beyonce because Beyonce is she wrote the playbook for how to do this successfully and like have success while not having to give like representative like comments to everything and Mm -hmm. like not having to constantly be in the public eye and all that sort of stuff and I feel like anytime people are like oh like there's a separation between the business side and the personal side or whatever a lot of the time it's always harkens back to like what Beyonce has been able to do Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but the thing is is it's like have there been any other artists that you personally can think of that have done this as successfully because I feel like sometimes people will like compare Rihanna but like Rihanna hasn't made music in like god knows how long she's never made music who knows when she's going to next because (laughs) she's like oh I'm an entrepreneur (laughs) now and I I have a baby who needs music so it's like is there anybody else because like I feel like maybe Lady Gaga kind of but I don't know like I don't know enough about her so like have there been people who have like taken a page from Beyonce's playbook and actually done it successfully or is like Beyonce Hmm. an anomaly in the case of being able to like be private and be public and still remain as important of a figure I think today that's an anomaly but looking back this is not new yeah yeah like, there are a lot of artists, like, who have been famous since they were, like, even younger than Beyonce was yeah. when she first got famous. And they're still here, and you don't hear about them because they're just like, I just do the music, and I put my stuff in my music, and that's it. Like, I honestly think, like, perfect example would be Stevie Wonder. Mm. Like, he'll talk mm-hmm. about... He's been famous since he was 11. He puts his stuff in his music. Like, he had a whole song about hating Richard Nixon. One of my favorite <laughs> songs by him, actually. One of my favorites. And it's just like, yeah, I, I do this. And then, the, obviously, the Happy Birthday song was created to raise awareness about the importance of making Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday a national holiday. And it worked. So it's like, he did it. Like, he's like, yeah. this is my music. I'm doing what I think is important and singing about what I think is important. And then I'm going to go away now. <laughs> like how many that man actually like said he was gonna like stop music and just like move to Africa and he's like I just want to be by myself <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's really true though like what you're saying there's no contemporaries that are on her level and I think that was kind of the point of wanting to do this episode is like I mean Britney Spears also 40 but entirely entirely different story and honestly yes. a lot of Britney's narrative we just can't even compare because of the conservatorship so it's mm-hmm. not even like really a fair comparison mm-hmm. but I mean, I think that's why Beyonce feels so untouchable. Like, she feels like this legendary figure we're going to have forever in our lives. Like, the cultural impact has already been done. Like, there's Mm -hmm. no way of undoing this. She is a great. And, like, that's what you're saying at the beginning. Like, not to make comparisons, but it's almost like that stardom level of Michael Jackson, of Janet Jackson, Mm -hmm. of the legends of history but she's a contemporary like she's still part of the conversation like she has not faded out of the conversation yeah and also for some reason Adele popped into my head while we were doing all of this because Ah. Adele like her albums 
massively impactful and she disappears but nobody really cares about Adele's life like nobody really cares about they Adele don't. other oh. than when Adele releases an album because it's like the then difference. it's like yeah it's like when Adele releases an album you know she's going to sing about whatever she's going through but making it so universal through her ability to tell stories and write songs like yeah. you just know she's doing it for her especially this past album this whole album was like very central to the Adele experience rather than like a holistic universal we all yeah. hurt type of thing like god that one song where she's talking to her son about being divorced whoo but yeah. I'm like wow just being able to hear Adele even talk about the things that are actually central to her experience as Adele Atkins is like okay this is important and then I think that's major for a star of her caliber because Adele is massive yeah yeah she is massive when it comes to streaming but i just don't think people care about her otherwise Mm-mm. yeah I, they don't care about her the way people care about beyonce yeah. they care about her during like the album cycles and the like, album cycle or whatever yeah they're like oh look like, look look she's just like us she eats yeah. like bangers and mash and says the f word every day it's yeah because like, yeah, she's aver- like an average chick but i think this is where beyonce excels Of course, the exceptionalism in her artistry and what she chooses to convey. But I think part of it is the activism. Like part of it is speaking up for people who historically have not had voices, have not been able to tell their stories, especially black women Mm -hmm. having their stories told. I feel like that's part of it. Yeah, I think that what she's able to convey through her music is very important. And I think because she is so private, otherwise that is keeping us holding on. But I do definitely wish like, while we don't really care too much about Adele's private life, but when she is around, it's fun. I think also like in the social media era and all that, it's like we want our stars to be more like us. Like we want them Mm -hmm. to be more real because like if you look back into like Hollywood of your and whatnot, it's like from the start of Hollywood, it's like these people, you didn't know anything about these people. You found out about like feuds behind the scenes like years Mm -hmm. later because somebody wrote like an autobiography because they needed some money or whatever the case is, you know, because like the studios had so much control over the narratives because it's like stars worked with only with their record label or actresses and actors worked only with like the studio that they were signed to and all that sort of stuff. And then tabloids come around and then tabloids control the narrative and so people need to have representatives speaking out for them or they need to like give comment or whatever Mm -hmm. the case is and then when social media comes around it's like oh look at me i'm just like you and it's like you're not just like me your house costs (laughs) more than i could ever think of money existing Mm -hmm. like shut the fuck up it's cool that you like to eat mcdonald's sometimes maybe but like i think that like (laughs) there is that interesting middle ground that there can be where like there are celebrities that you're kind of like oh like they're kind of a normal person like even though they acknowledge they have money and i mm-hmm. or, like they acknowledge their access their power etc and i think that that is the interesting thing about beyonce is that beyonce is so meticulous in how she controls the narrative so meticulous in how she controls what people know about her and what they see about her and all of that where it's like you never can even get the inkling that she could be a real person other than Mm -hmm. like no matter what's going on with her and jay-z's relationship it's like he's hung out with her for a long enough time that like she must be down to hang you know what i mean like like, she's got to be chill to some regard but like Mm -hmm. she never puts down that barrier even when she is dropping Mm -hmm. photos or videos or whatever 
on her like website like she's never putting down that barrier you never see beyonce with like tousled hair you never see her without the fully manicured idea and i feel like that is the only thing that's really missing yeah it's like like, trying to give the access but like mm -hmm. the access feels manufactured Yes, coming now I'm in a curation role for full my full-time job. So I'm like very very good now at identifying what is curated con- everything's content really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like it's very clear that working in this role and seeing like people really do want to see authenticity. So it's kind of hard to curate things that do not feel real because people are not going to click on it. But if you have people who like like me, who have been fans of Beyonce since they were seven years old. They grew up listening to her. They're growing with her. They're going to be hangers-on regardless. But someone who's probably like a Gen Zer who can spot out inauthenticity from a, the jump, they're going to just be like, oh, yeah, she looks great. But they know it's like, this is posed. This mm-hmm. is forced. This is not authentic. Do you think that like in what she's doing, like she's going to be able to keep this up? And, like, continue to be Beyonce until she's older Hmm. than most people who've been able to, like, have success as a musician? Oof. I think so, because it's not coming off as cheesy, at least. Like, it's forced, for sure. And, of of course, there's even aspects of the Renaissance album that people have been like, this is an old person. Like, this is mom trying to be cool. (laughs) on that podcast that i was listening to they were talking about like there was a few like gen z lines that slipped in there and they were like beyonce is not saying this like so my jay-z wrote that and you can tell even people who are like native new yorkers don't say dead ass (laughs) so it's like that's not right tiggle biddies like come on now like beyonce you're cool slang is very cringe to me um but i think she's gonna be okay for a long time to come because not only is it not cheesy she is also like bringing up the best of the past and the present she's not trying to keep up with the looks and the fashion she's looking back on eras and genres with reverence to make sure that she's like curating something that is digestible to people regardless of who they are this album was very much a curation album like Mm -hmm. The amount of sampling and interpolating she did was paying homage to all the black Ooh, artists absolutely. before her. Yep. And I think that that's the purpose of this album. And and that's totally fine. Like she doesn't I think at this point in her career it's almost like she's picking and choosing what she kind of wants to center on and focus on mm-hmm. and she realizes that maybe it doesn't always need to be herself. And she was like, I wanna make a really great album that pulls from black music and mm-hmm. like celebrate that. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah, I think if she continues to center the hallmarks of what really made her a star, made her Beyonce, like focusing on the aesthetics, focusing on the dance, focusing on the feminism, focusing on the blackness, focusing Mm -hmm. on all of the things that make her her, like doing something for her gay fans. Yeah, I mean, I think also just in the thought of like going forward and aging and like all that sort of stuff of like what women are historically not allowed to do and everything... I think also just, like, of Cher and, like, her longevity Mm. and, like, ability to withstand all. I kind of am, like, looking forward to the potential. I, like, I want Beyonce to be, like, 65 and unhinged on Twitter, like, Cher is. I kind of hope so, too. Because... I feel like at some point, like, it would be such a gift for herself and for her fans. If she's just like, I'm famous enough, 
I can mm-hmm. just like let go and like yell about nonsense on Twitter. Just let go. Like my contemporaries oh my did before me. Like she's so iconic and it, I feel like has the potential and like is proving that she has like the longevity to like continue like as she grows older and like nobody really gets sick of it. But it's like there has to be that acknowledgement of age in like that sort it of is. way yeah, where yeah. I feel like shares unhinged tweets are like her way of acknowledging like i'm an old person but like it's it's, it's fine <laughs> and what, but i'm just curious oh. if like beyonce will like let herself do that i would uh, i think a lot of that does like it's crazy because like Cher is unhinged on Twitter, but if you look at old interviews, Cher has always always been been like this. (laughs) So it's like, I think Beyonce would have to let us in a little bit more on that personality for us to even be like, oh yeah, like she's in a Mamma Mia and she's doing this and she's like, we're we're not seeing enough about her as a human that would allow us to even figure out where she would go next. I, I also just wonder if she's been so guarded for so long that... I don't know if she ever will do that because I'm sure it's very hard for her. Like, imagine after all this time she comes out to show her personality. Imagine how anxious she must be that people are not actually going to like her. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's, once again, going right back to that perfectionist complex. It's just like, we've seen how goofy she can be. She's fine. But it's just like, are you still like that? Like, I don't know. I feel like you've put up such a wall that it's just like we're not even sure if we're gonna get that fully i just imagine i mean as somebody who's just a a citizen of planet earth and not beyonce the amount of anxiety i have posting anything about tiktok and getting criticism like i cannot imagine somebody who's this guarded and this famous and i don't even think that people would dislike her personality it's just that like you said it's a perfectionism to such a degree that it's like i don't know if she wants to even deal with what a response would look like Mm -hmm. if she tweeted something break her down like yeah you should yeah she doesn't tweet unless it's something that relates to her music her first tiktok was just videos of other people dancing to break my soul like it's always gonna be curated and like granted like like i said i'm coming also from experiencing very similar feelings about perfection yeah and so just a wrap-up thought of what beyonce has been able to do and like what She's kind of literally just like paved the road for people after her to be able to follow in. Do you feel like she's set a precedent for longevity as a pop star and like has really made it clear like, okay, like if you follow these kind of steps, like this is how you could be successful without facing the trials and tribulations that like Britney had to go through or mm-hmm. who whomever like had to deal with because she wasn't managed by a father who like actually cared or knew how the industry worked or whatever mm-hmm. the case is. Do you feel like this is something that's plausible to follow in the footsteps of or do you think that like it would be ridiculous for people to be like, I need to be like Beyonce. That's how to be successful. I think when, in terms of this social media era, Mm -hmm. she has been able to prolong her popularity and her notoriety by keeping a low profile. Mm -hmm. But in turn, she's diminished a lot of the things that we originally liked and wanted to see. Mm -hmm. I think honestly, like it works for her. It's, It's worked for her. Obviously, no no plan is foolproof, but I think in doing what she's doing, it also has opened up conversations about like what we actually want to see in our pop stars. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what we want to see is not only talent, 
because we don't want like just the personal life to overshadow the gifts. Yeah. We kind of want to see the realness of being a human in addition to the talent that you have to offer. Like, yeah. I don't want to see you in TMZ and on the shade room like every day. It's annoying and really yeah. not becoming and does overshadow the work. But it's also like, I do want to see you having a little bit more fun. Like, slap your shoulders. Yeah. Stuff that pizza in your mouth. You can be poised, but you can also be okay with being like a little left of center. It's okay to be so. We've all yeah, seen yeah. that. I think my final thought on the matter is that it's very clear through this conversation that there were so many things along the way in her career that aligned for her to end up doing what she's currently doing that and also in Taylor Swift's attempt to do something similar that it would just never be done the same way by others never so I think that's very interesting like this is not to be like everyone is so unique and different (laughs) because obviously but like (laughs) but like this is truly like everything in her life like set her up to get to where she is now yeah Mm -hmm. so it's just very interesting that yeah. it's like my assumption pre-conversation was that like oh yeah this is a pattern like other people can follow and now I'm very much like I don't think anyone can follow this like this mm-hmm. is yeah. Beyonce yeah well I think also like in a way like Jaina was saying you can pick out the certain aspects of like what Beyonce has done and then also take like what people's criticism has been and kind of combine mm-hmm. them and then maybe through that have like a really a successful career but also Mm -hmm. you have to be able to have the drive and the organization and all the stuff that Beyonce has in order to even like do similarly to how she's done anything so that's also really hard on top of that where you can be like okay like if I mix this and this and this I'll be just as famous as Beyonce for just as long it's like okay but you have to be like as disciplined as Beyonce and And as talented and as like have a great team behind and have the intention a lot of artists are like oh yeah they've been famous forever but it's like the level of intention that Beyonce puts forth into her art and obviously into her presentation as a human is it's all calculated. It's all control, but it's also like she was built to do what she's doing. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. It's the 10,000 hours and anyone Mm -hmm. becomes really great. It's she's been doing this her whole life. Yep. Truly insane. When you think about it in that perspective of like, how do you want to spend your time with your nine to five job? I was thinking about this the other day and it's like, yeah, you could go work like a corporate job or you could put as much time and effort and concentration and like vision into what Beyonce has done. And like, imagine what your life would be if you truly focused on something that you loved and wanted to do. We all have the same amount of hours in the day as Beyonce. All right. Well, on that note, Jenna, I just want to give you a huge, huge, huge thank you for coming to do this episode with us. It's been so helpful, so insightful, so inspiring even. I don't know. It's just been a lovely conversation. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Any chance to talk about Beyonce is a day well spent. So... incredible so for you listeners if you want to find out more about Jaina follow along read her lovely work we're gonna have all the links in the description below so yes once again thank you Jaina thank you I can't believe we finally got to talk about Beyonce I think it was a very good a very appropriate foray into the world of Beyonce I feel like this was such a good conversation because I think that also like we were so anxious about doing an episode because we were like doing a history on Beyonce feels silly but like how else do we talk about her because we don't like know that much about her so we feel like we need to learn everything from point a to point z 
And instead, we just got to talk about the thing that most people, I think, are interested in about Beyonce is like the how she does it. Yeah, <laughs> how she does it all, baby. <laughs> and that's on growth of our podcast, because instead of doing artist histories, we now get to talk about really cool, culturally relevant, recent conversations. Yeah, and like really get into like the nitty gritty of an artist and their persona and all of that fun stuff. And also have lovely, lovely, lovely guests on with us to guide us through it all. Yeah, it's so exciting. It's so cool. Just the caliber of guests we've gotten to have on this podcast and like what people are willing to share with us and let us talk about as just like two confused white girls. <laughs> like, it's a gift. It truly is. Yeah, because it's like, I don't know. Having these conversations is hard for anybody, but it's just like especially hard, I think, like I said, for like two white girls to be like, white feminism is stupid because we yeah. all fall into like the trap of accidentally not intersectionalizing our feminism yeah. every once Absolutely. in a while. But I think it's important to like acknowledge that like we know that there's a difference and all that sort of stuff. And like that what yeah. Beyonce is doing is really special and important, even if she is very quiet in the way she does it, if that makes sense. Yeah, very eye-opening episode for sure. So I hope you guys yeah. enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed this foray into Beyonce. Yeah, yeah. We hope you guys learned something. We hope you gained something from this convo. And if you want to continue it, we are always willing for a chat. So you can come over to our socials and continue this conversation. We are at Name Three Songs on all platforms. If you have any personal grievances, beef, or admiration to give us, I am at Sarah underscore Fagan and Jenna is at Jenna underscore Million. So thanks for joining us this week on Name Three Songs. And until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Beyonce. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode, you can visit namethreesongs.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.